The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Amen. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. I'm kind of excited to have a little bit of activity. I might just fall over. I've been sitting in a recliner for like three days. So what am I going to do? Get up and eat. Go back and watch more football or something. Watch a movie. Uh, so I'm kind of, I'm thankful for Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful Thanksgiving is over. Uh, and get geared up, catch my breath, and do it all again over Christmas, right? Um, I don't know if you um, ever struggle with direction. I'll tell a story. One time I was going down uh, south. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, maybe last year, I don't know. And uh, so directionally, I'm challenged living here. Um, I grew up in in central Oklahoma, and so... I-35 all the way across Oklahoma is north and south. I-40 is east and west. And so everything kind of, you know, you just always know where I'm at, you know. I get out and I can always sense the directions pretty well. So coming up here, like, I-35 runs, like, at a diagonal, and I-40 is nowhere to be found. And so, I, like, it's, it's hard to know your way around. And I just get out in the woods sometimes, and directionally, I can't tell. Um, without looking at a compass sometimes, which way is which? <laughs> so I got down here, I went to uh, uh, close to this public land on uh, down here south. What is it, Meridazine? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Is that how you? Okay, thank you for coming today. We'll see you next week. Okay, <laughs> you're having the same problem as I am. Uh, and so anyway, I, I, I park my truck, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to look at this particular spot. And so it's, it's pretty thick woods, and I get out, and, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't have any cell reception whatsoever, so I can't use any my device. And I know if I just keep heading this direction, I'm going to pop out on the other side on this road. And so I kind of walk, and and I'm headed in a direction that I see something I want to investigate. So I turn and I go over there and I look at it. And then I kind of turn around to come back to get back on the path I was on. And I was like, now, wait a minute. And that every, like, I couldn't recognize anything. And so I walk around and say, no, this is it. Like, I, I started walking. I kept walking. I was like, where is that road? Where is that road? And it's getting a little nervous, man, because I'm walking. And I can't find the road. And I just keep walking and keep walking. And so finally, like, I mean, I don't know, at this point, I don't know if I'm trespassing or anything. And so, like, I finally see the road. Like, oh, thank you, Lord. And I came out on the road, and I, I popped out, and I wasn't sure where I was at. And I looked to, to my right, and I looked over to my left, and my truck was right there. I got to see the wondering in there doing a circle, man, the whole time. And I, somehow I finally saw the road. And so it's like, man, how frustrating and nerve-wracking can it be to be in a place and, and you don't have a sense of direction, you don't know which direction to go, and you, you're, you're kind of just wondering. And so sometimes, a lot of times, life is like that. We struggle with making decisions. And we just want some direction. We want to use wisdom to ensure that our directions are godly and wise, that I'm making a decision that's taking me... I'm closer to what the Lord wants for me, and it has wisdom in it so that it's, it's healthy for me, and, and as it plays out going forward, it's, it's something that I can build my life on. And so there, there is a way to make decisions when it comes to spiritual things, and I want to share with you a, something that I do. I often I share this with, with people when I'm trying to counsel with them and they're struggling with something. I say, man, this is a good way 
for you to navigate through things in your life. It's been very helpful to me as I, I was just studying scripture and I, I don't know how I came up with this, but I've been doing it a long time and it's been very effective for me as I um, seek to live my life in obedience to the Lord. And so, so the first thing, and, and I stress this all the time, so we're not gonna spend a lot of time on it, but, but to build to where we're going, you can't leave this piece out. We must be in the word, familiarizing ourselves um, with what God wants for us. And so we, we have to be in the word and we have to know what the word teaches about obedience to the moral will of God. So there are some things that's morally that, that the Lord expects of us. And so he gives us the word and, and the word helps us to know like morally, this is something I should or should not be doing. I should be engaging in this behavior. I should be avoiding this other behavior. And so when I'm obedient to what the Lord is asking me to do morally, what happens is I become more sensitive to where he is leading me personally. And so personally, God has a will for me that he wants me to, to live out on a daily basis. And, and so I'm, I'm listening to how he, like, you know, morally, um, the Lord just sort of sets things out that, are, that, that apply to all human, humanity. But, but personally, like God speaks to us for his will for us about me personally in my own journey. And so morally, we're all gonna have the same thing in common. This is what God expects for us. Personally, however, God is leading us in different directions about what he wants us to do with our lives, where he wants us to work, um, you know, who he wants us to be in relationship with. And so the more we understand and the more sensitive we are to the moral will of God, the more uh, sensitive we will be and and um, and our ability to recognize the personal will of God for our lives. And so you have decisions that you're making on a daily basis. So, you know, again, where you where do you work? Where, where do you choose to go um, for your formal education if you're about to graduate high school? Um, decisions that you make, uh, constantly that are going to lead you down this path of what God is trying to take you, where he's trying to take you on this journey. And again, if you're sensitive um, and you, you're familiar with the moral will of God and scripture, what he's asking you to do, and you're obedient to that, you will become more sensitive to what he's asking you to do personally. Now, if you're not sensitive to the moral will of God, you probably don't even care what he's asking you to do personally. And you're probably just wandering around when it comes to the purpose that God has for your life. And you're just kind of wondering, and you're out there, and a lot of people in life are like that. But once you get really serious about being obedient to who, who Christ is and what he's called you to do and, and what his word teaches, then you will begin to recognize that, man, he's leading me on a journey. And that journey is not so much about um, God as it is about us. And I say that to, to, to just, like, what I mean by that is, like, God is trying to shape us. God, the Lord doesn't need any more shaping. He is the Lord. Like we're the messed up ones. And so like when we're, when we're reading the word and when we're trying to understand things, um, we're not like, in a sense, we're trying to understand more about the Lord, but we really are trying to understand more about us in the big picture of the Lord. And the more that we get that, the more that that becomes clear, the more that we're able to follow and do what the Lord has asked us to do. And so even when we're walking in obedience, and we're trying to walk that out on a daily basis, it can be difficult to know when we should proceed in a certain direction 
Um, because God is like, well, Isaiah says it this way. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. <laughs> so like God is, the, he's so far beyond us. And so sometimes when we're walking even in obedience and we're concerned with the moral will of God, it can be difficult for us to know how we should proceed directionally in, and, and, and wait on the Lord because his ways are so much higher than ours and his, um, uh, his thoughts are so much different than ours. And so it would be great if we had a way that we could face decisions and know that we're making the right choice. Like, that would be great, man. It's like I could come up to a decision and go, I, I, I don't know the outcome, but I know this is what the Lord wants me to do in this situation. And again, we're not talking about morally. We're not talking about a mor- a moral decisions are pretty easy because we know when we're contradicting the word of God, we're just talking about a decision. You know, should I do this? Should I invest time and energy and sweat into this? Should I use my gifts and my resources? Should I pour into this? Um, and so that's the personal stuff that we're talking about. And so, um, like, should I marry this person, right? Like, Casey, you should be asking that question. That's Preston's girlfriend. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Anyway, but so, so like, in a situation, you're dating. Should I marry this individual? Um, should I, uh, should, is it time for us to sell our house? Should we buy in this neighborhood? Uh, should we, you know? all these different questions that come up. And so how can we make those decisions? So I'm gonna just share with you what what I do, a couple of strategies that I use. Um, First, um, to get a grasp of this, I wanna show you some things in scripture. And so I'm gonna paraphrase um, first, or or Genesis chapter 24, verses one through 23. You could turn there, it's it's in you version. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but basically God promises Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Abraham doesn't have his first kid until he's, he's 100. And now he's about to die, and his kid hasn't had any kids. And the promise of God is he's going to be a great nation. And there were three of them. And so, you know, he's a, a long way from a great nation. And so, but he's concerned about it. He's concerned about honoring the Lord. And so while he comes to this place in life where he's on his deathbed in Genesis chapter 24, he calls his servant um, and, and he asks him to make a promise to him. He made him swear. And he says, I want you to swear to me that you will go back to where I'm from and you will take a wife for my son, for my, my family, my tribe, my people. I want, to, I want him to have a wife from there. And that was very important to him. It was part of the promise. And so the servant says, well, what if I go and she won't return with me? Should I take Isaac back there with me to, for him to pick out his own wife? And so Abe says, no, the Lord will send the angel, his angel ahead of you, and he will help you. And so what happens is, is that um, the servant goes and, and he's like, he's, he's, he's charged with this incredible task. He's having to trust the, he's having to trust that what Abe said would happen would happen. Now, What's different about this is that during this time, they did not have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And so God was speaking to them through prophets. He was speaking to them like he was speaking directly to Abraham. Whereas with us, God speaks through the inner, um, uh, the indwelling of the Spirit of God lives in us. And so the Holy Spirit leads us through the Word. 
Like they didn't even, during the time of this story that we're, we're reading, they didn't have the word like we have the word. So now we have the word, we have the spirit of God who works not only in us, but in other believers. Uh, we have the teaching of the word. We have all these different things that are working. Well, they didn't have that then. And so here's a guy who's on a journey that's trying to follow what his master has told him to do. And he he's told by his master that the angel of the Lord would go ahead of him to help him. Um, to, to find this woman that God had specifically um, given for his son to marry. And so when he gets there, he prays and he asks um, in verse 12, then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, Please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And so he doesn't know what to do, so he just says, Lord, give me success. I believe I have faith. And so when they come out to water and I ask for one of them for a drink, then um, let her say to me, I'll draw water for your camels too. And so what happens is Rebecca shows up first, right after he finishes praying. And she comes out and, and the water is served to him. And as soon as she finishes, the Bible says she's very beautiful. And so um, she finishes uh, giving him a drink and then she waters all the camels. And like the prayer is answered right there on the spot. Now, I, I share that um, story with you to illustrate the Lord, he made this journey successful. and. And I think it's encouraging for us. Like I read that and I go, man, the Lord, he cares about us. He doesn't always make it as clear and, and, and direct as he does there. And so we would look at that and we would go, well, man, like I wish that I could just pray a prayer like that and that, like it would be easy for me. God, if you want me um, to take this job, then when I go get me a drink of water at the water fountain, let my boss come over and, you know, bring me a cup of coffee too, right? And so that's kind of what he's going to look at that. I, I wish it were like that. You know what this guy would say to us? Lord, I wish I could have the Holy Spirit like they have. That's what they, they would say. It's like they, they're having to worship God from a distance, but now God is living in us. And so we certainly have a tremendous advantage uh, over uh, the way the people of the Old Testament had to live. And so the, when we look at this, God does not always make it clear, but he always directs us. You can be assured that God is always gonna direct you in every decision that you're facing because he cares about you. Like if you, if you know the Lord, he lives in you. <laughs> like I was talking about last week, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is concerned about, where we're going on the journey because we are carrying the presence of God on the planet. And that is his whole plan for his body, the church, to be on the planet, going amidst you know, different people groups, interacting with people who don't know him as the temple of the Holy Spirit and taking God's presence to people um, who are far from God. And so he cares about the journey that we're on. And so the first tool the Lord always makes easily recognizable is peace. And so this is in your notes, peace always points in the proper direction. Like you, can, you can be assured when there is peace when you're facing a decision. So we place our faith in God and we trust him 
to lead us in the big picture. We say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's nothing I can do to um, deal with my sin problem other to place my faith and my trust in you, Jesus, as the perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, that you died, you were buried, you rose again. And so um, I I believe in you, Jesus. And at at that point, we we say, okay, man, a person is born again when, when they make that confession of faith and the confession of sin and the belief and the acceptance of Jesus, then God moves in and we have the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruit of the Spirit that is described is peace, not, not peace with God. Okay, so the only way we can have the peace, this is the peace of God. And in order to have the peace of God, we must make peace with God. How do we make peace with God? We recognize that Jesus was God. We say, I confess that Jesus is God in the flesh, come to die on the cross for my sin. So I've made peace with God. Therefore now, because of the Holy Spirit living in me, I have the peace of God. And when I have the peace of God, I can begin to rely on that peace. The peace of God is the fruit of the Spirit that comes into our lives, and we can rely on that peace to point us in the right direction. And so, okay, so with that, like when you're facing a decision, peace is the barometer that you're looking for. Again, when you're facing a moral decision, like you're, you're, because sometimes we come up to things and they're not moral decisions. Sometimes like we go, all right, I'm coming up and there, there, here's a school right here I could go to. Here's a school right here I could go to. Neither one of those are a moral decision. It's just that I want to be in tune with what God wants me to do because I want to end up at the place where the Lord wants me. And so morally, there's nothing at stake here. If we, like moral decisions are much easier and that's why we need to be familiar with the word of God. Personal decisions, should I, you know, should we settle our family here in this, this community? Um, those are different because they don't have anything to do with morality. They have everything to do with the personal will of God from our life. And so peace is something that we must be familiar with. And that's why walking in the moral will of God and understanding the moral will of God is so important. It's because you, you begin to learn as you have, make peace with God and you have the peace of God, the more you walk in the moral will of God, the more peace of God you will have in your life. And so that whenever you get in the wrong direction, peace starts to suffer in your life and you start to feel like things are off a little bit. And so, so we can rely on peace to point us in the right direction. Now, this, this is pretty cool, I think. Just prior to the story of God's call on Abraham, we learn about a very important event in the history of man, according to the Bible. And it's called um, the Tower of Babel. And it's found in Genesis chapter 11. It's a pretty cool story. And so we have the advancement of mankind. That mankind is moving, man. They're, they're working together and things are happening in and around them. And so they build this, this huge tower and it goes way up to the heavens. And so there's some architectural things, things, advancements going on. I mean, they are building something very significant on the planet, unlike they had ever done before. And so we pick up the story and it says in verse one of Genesis chapter 11, now the whole world had one language so they could communicate. Like we, we still don't have one language today, but everybody had one language at this time and, and, and in a common speech. And as men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. 
They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. Now, again, let me just stop right here and throw a nugget out, okay? Like the Trinity, we talk about the Trinity. You never find the word Trinity in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But here in reference to God, all the way back in Genesis, he says, come let us, who's us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why we see this. So here's Trinity in the Old Testament, not the word, but the actual teaching theologically we see it. And so he says, God said, come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. (laughs) And marriage counseling started right there, right? Okay. (laughs) So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So there's a few things that are significant about this passage of teaching, because you look at that and go, what's wrong here? Why would God do that? They were working together. They built this cool city. They had this huge tower. Why would God come down and mess that up? Or are they thinking that they, was he intimidated by them? So what is going on? Well, let me, let me point a few things out. First of all, it's very, um, it's not accidental that, that the writer of Genesis, Moses is telling us that the men moved eastward. The writer of Genesis is communicating something very important. When Adam and Eve left in the Garden of Eden, they settled in a land eastward. When Cain was forced out of the presence of God, he went east of Eden. Um, When Abraham and Lot decided to split, Lot went toward the east. And so we know that the people were moving away from the blessing of God. They were moving east, okay? So they're moving away from the blessing of God, which was Eden, and, and they're moving further and further from God. And that's what the writer is trying to indicate to us. Then we need to key in on, he says, that they said, we will build ourselves a city. We will make a name for ourselves. Life was all about them and not God. They were very humanistic. And that's, that was the problem. The problem was not that they were working together. The problem was not that they were advancing. The problem was they were advancing in the name of humanism outside of God. They didn't have any time for God. It was all about themselves and what they could do. And so the goal was to build a tower to the heavens so that they wouldn't be scattered. And we, as we study this, um, scholars agree that they were, they were making a man-made religion. That's what the tower was about. So their worship was going to be focused on the tower, that we would come back to the tower. And it had nothing to do with God, the creator. And so what is God's response? Come, let us go down and confuse your language. Here's the second takeaway for you today. Confusion provides correction of direction. Peace always points the right way. 
Like when we have peace and we're walking down the road and, and, and we're trying to make a decision and we're talking to the Lord about it, we may not know exactly how it's going to work out. But when we make a decision, we can know, man, I have peace in this. I, I can recognize that God has given me an inner peace, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in me is he's giving me peace about what I'm supposed to do. Confusion provides correction when I, my, my course is, is not in the right direction. And so when I feel confused about something, then I know that I'm, if, you know, just using the metaphor that we see here in Scripture, is I'm moving eastward. I'm moving away from the plan of God. So God will come down and he will confuse the language of a people group in order to correct their course. That's exactly what he did, and that's how God can use confusion whenever we get off base. Now, so because they were moving away from God, confusion entered the picture. Here's the deal. Every time you face a decision, you can rely on spiritual peace and confusion because in 1 Corinthians chapter, four, or chapter 14, verse 33, God is not a God of confusion but of peace, Okay? So, so when we get off track, we're always going to feel confused about things. When we're, when we're walking a, away from the plan that the Lord has laid out for us, we'll feel confusion. But when we're walking down the road that the Lord wants us to walk on, we're always going to have that peace that, that God lays out for us. And so the big idea for today's talk is pray the prayer of peace and confusion. This is what I do. Like, I come up against a decision. I don't know what to do. I just start praying. Lord, every time I think about this, if this is something that you want me to do, every time that I think about it, would you just help me to feel peace in my heart? Lord, if it's something that you don't want me to do, then every time I think about it, then cause me, like, like let me feel confused about it. Let me feel like, I don't know how this is going to, I don't know if this is right, and just, just disturb my, your spirit in me. And that's a good, healthy way to pray. And, and so, like, God, if you want me to marry this person, um, I, I probably should give uh, Casey a little bit of leeway because you make me confused at times when you're praying about press. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, so, uh, so, so uh, the, 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 like, God, like, every time I think about this relationship, help me to just feel peace. Like, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know how we're going to make it. I, I don't have to know. All, I just want to know that I have the your peace in me. And Lord, like, if I'm not supposed to be in this relationship, let me feel confused. Lord, Lord, if, if I'm supposed to take this job, then every time I think about this job, then just give me peace, Lord, and help me. Like, I don't have to know everything and how it's going to work out, but I need to know, Lord, that I need to know your peace in this decision. And Lord, if it's not, then, like, help me to feel confused. And man, you can recognize this. Like you could just recognize on the inside whether you're having turmoil or peace. And that's how you can know that you're making the decision that the Lord wants you to make. I think Brent is right when he talked about in worship that the Lord, he whispers to us. I think one of the ways he whispers is with peace and one of the ways he shouts is with confusion. And, and it was like, man, God just won't, he won't answer me. Like, I keep trying to get at this, and I'm so confused about it. I think he's trying to answer you. You're trying to do something he doesn't want you to do, and you feel so confused about it, and you're trying to talk him into letting you do something that he's already said no to. And if you want the peace, then go ahead and accept it and move on down the road and, and let him take you on the journey that he's trying to teach you about who you are to be in, in your kingdom. Um, so Jesus... I'll just end with a couple of cool things. Jesus teaching on prayer. I love this passage of scripture. 
Listen to what he says. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus is saying, look, man, the the Lord cares. And when you're talking to him about what he wants you to do, he cares. Like he he wants to give you what you need. Um, he, He wants to help you. And so we can... We can pray to him this way. Now, here's where, we, again, we talk about the advantage um, that we sometimes mistakenly think that the people of the Old Testament had. I think this is really cool. So we look at this Babel, the Tower of Babel. God, he come down and, and it, it, like the people, man, they could communicate. There was unity. And they were off track. And so he confused the language. And so they couldn't speak the same language. And they scattered, freaked them out. And then they developed all these subcultures, different ones. In Acts chapter 2, we have what is called the day of Pentecost. When Jesus said, you go and you wait, and I will send my spirit. And when That day came and the Spirit of God descended down on the apostles. They came out and they started speaking in tongues. And so they were speaking, everybody, like all these different people groups could understand what they were saying. Like they could understand them in their own native language. And so what we see is that God is coming and he is reversing, he's restoring what happened at Babel. And so as we walk through life, like you, you, you can ask another brother or sister in Christ, man, I'm, I, I got this decision and I, I don't know exactly what to do. And I've been, you know, Jimmy talked about this prayer of peace and confusion and, and I've, I've started praying that. Would you join me in praying with that? When, do you got any word for me? And, and they can speak to us because they can speak the same language. And the language is a spiritual language and it is the language of Jesus is Lord. And so when people understand and they're walking out in their lives that Jesus is Lord, like we need to be seeking counsel from other people who believe that Jesus is Lord and they're living like it. And, 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 and they're gonna speak the, the truth and love to us. They're not gonna tell us what we wanna hear. They're gonna tell us what the Spirit wants to say. And so we, we have this thing reversed and, and we don't have to go around separated. We get, and that's what the body of Christ is about. And we come together and we, we worship and we learn together and we serve together because the Lord is bringing us together. You guess what he's wanting to do? Build a city. Like, like you start with a garden in Genesis and when you get to Revelation, you hear the apostle John talking about a city. And so we're all engaged on the city of God like advancing the kingdom of God. And so we, he's, he's reversed and restored what happened at Babel. And now when people are focused on him as God and not humanism, he brings us together in unity and he helps us, each one, not only by the spirit of God living in us, but the spirit of God living in those around us. He gives us pastors. He gives us teachers. He gives us people who serve in the kingdom. He gives us local fellowships. 
And what does he do that for? So that we can do what he wants us to do. So be encouraged today. The Lord cares about you. And he is he's deeply involved. He wants to be deeply involved in the decisions that you are making. And so like pray the prayer of peace and confusion over the decisions that you face. Listen to the still small voice that whispers the direction that we need to hear and look for how you're feeling confused and don't push into the confusion. Push away from it and push into the peace. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.